section thirty five part two chapter three continued of the four horsemen of the apocalypse by vicente blasco ibanez this librivox recording is in the public domain he began to worry about his castle at villeblanche all that he owned in paris suddenly seemed to him of slight importance to what he had in his historic mansion his best paintings were there adorning the gloomy salons there too the furnishings captured from the antiquarians after an auctioneering battle and the crystal cabinets the tapestries the silver services he mentally reviewed all these objects not letting a single one escape his inventory things that he had forgotten came surging up in his memory and the fear of losing them seemed to give them greater lustre increasing their size and intensifying their value all the riches of villeblanche were concentrated in one certain acquisition which desnoyers admired most of all for to his mind it stood for all the glory of his immense fortune in fact the most luxurious appointment that even a millionaire could possess my golden bath he thought i have there my tub of gold this bath of priceless metal he had procured after much financial wrestling from an auction and he considered the purchase the culminating achievement of his wealth no one knew exactly its origin perhaps it had been the property of luxurious princes perhaps it owed its existence to the caprice of a demi-mondaine fond of display he and his had woven a legend around this golden cavity adorned with lion's claws dolphins and busts of naiads undoubtedly it was once a king's chichi gravely affirmed that it had been marie antoinette's and the entire family thought that the home on the avenue victor hugo was altogether too modest and plebeian to enshrine such a jewel they therefore agreed to put it in the castle where it was greatly venerated although it was useless and solemn as a museum piece and was he to permit the enemy in their advance toward the marne to carry off this priceless treasure as well as the other gorgeous things which he had accumulated with such patience ah no his soul of a collector would be capable of the greatest heroism before he would let that go each day was bringing a fresh sheaf of bad news the papers were saying little and the government was so veiling in its communications that the mind was left in great perplexity nevertheless the truth was mysteriously forcing its way impelled by the pessimism of the alarmists and the manipulation of the enemy's spies who were remaining hidden in paris the fatal news was being passed along in whispers they have already crossed the frontier they are already in lille they were advancing at the rate of thirty-five miles a day the name of von kluck was beginning to have a familiar ring english and french were retreating before the enveloping progression of the invaders some were expecting another sedan desnoyers was following the advance of the germans going daily to the gare du nord every twenty-four hours was lessening the radius of travel bulletins announcing that tickets would not be sold for the northern districts served to indicate how these places were falling 
one after the other into the power of the invader the shrinkage of national territory was going on with such methodical regularity that with watch in hand and allowing an advance of thirty-five miles daily one might gauge the hour when the lances of the first uhlans would salute the eiffel tower the trains were running full great bunches of people overflowing from their coaches in this time of greatest anxiety desnoyers again visited his friend senator lacour in order to astound him with the most unheard-of petitions he wished to go immediately to his castle while everybody else was fleeing toward paris he earnestly desired to go in the opposite direction the senator couldn't believe his ears you are beside yourself he exclaimed it is necessary to leave paris but toward the south i will tell you confidentially and you must not tell because it is a secret we are leaving at any minute we are all going the president the government the chambers we are going to establish ourselves at bordeaux as in eighteen seventy the enemy is surely approaching it is only a matter of days of hours we know little of just what is happening but all the news is bad the army still holds firm is yet intact but retreating retreating all the time yielding ground believe me it will be better for you to leave paris galliani will defend it but the defence is going to be hard and horrible although paris may surrender france will not necessarily surrender the war will go on if necessary even to the frontiers of spain but it is sad very sad and he offered to take his friend with him in that flight to bordeaux of which so few yet knew desnoyers shook his head no he wanted to go to the castle of villeblanche his furniture his riches his parks but you will be taken prisoner protested the senator perhaps they will kill you a shrug of indifference was the only response he considered himself energetic enough to struggle against the entire german army in the defence of his property the important thing was to get there and then just let anybody dare to touch his things the senator looked with astonishment at this civilian infuriated by the lust of possession it reminded him of some arab merchants that he had once known ordinarily mild and pacific who quarrelled and killed like wild beasts when bedouin thieves seized their wares this was not the moment for discussion and each must map out his own course so the influential senator finally yielded to the desire of his friend if such was his pleasure let him carry it through so he arranged that his mad petitioner should depart on that very night on a military train that was going to meet the army that journey put don marcelo in touch with the extraordinary movement which the war had developed on the railroads his train took fourteen hours to cover the distance normally made in two it was made up of freight cars filled with provisions and cartridges with the doors stamped and sealed a third-class car was occupied by the train escort a detachment of provincial guards he was installed in a second-class compartment with the lieutenant in command of this guard and certain officials on their way to join their regiments 
after having completed the business of mobilization in the small towns in which they were stationed before the war the crowd habituated to long detentions was accustomed to getting out and settling down before the motionless locomotive or scattering through the nearby fields in the stations of any importance all the tracks were occupied by rows of cars high-pressure engines were whistling impatient to be off groups of soldiers were hesitating before the different trains making mistakes getting out of one coach to enter others the employees calm but weary-looking were going from side to side giving explanations about mountains of all sorts of freight and arranging them for transport in the convoy in which desnoyers was placed the territorials were sleeping accustomed to the monotony of acting as guard those in charge of the horses had opened the sliding doors seating themselves on the floor with their legs hanging over the edge the train went very slowly during the night across shadowy fields stopping here and there before red lanterns and announcing its presence by prolonged whistling in some stations appeared young girls clad in white with cockades and pennants on their breasts day and night they were there in relays so that no train should pass through without a visit they offered in baskets and trays their gifts to the soldiers bread chocolate fruit many already surfeited tried to resist but had to yield eventually before the pleading countenance of the maidens even desnoyers was laden down with these gifts of patriotic enthusiasm he passed a great part of the night talking with his travelling companions only the officers had vague directions as to where they were to meet their regiments for the operations of war were daily changing the situation faithful to duty they were passing on hoping to arrive in time for the decisive combat the chief of the guard had been over the ground and was the only one able to give any account of the retreat after each stop the train made less progress everybody appeared confused why the retreat the army had undoubtedly suffered reverses but it was still united and in his opinion ought to seek an engagement where it was the retreat was leaving the advance of the enemy unopposed to what point were they going to retreat they who two weeks before were discussing in their garrisons the place in belgium where their adversaries were going to receive their death-blow and through what places their victorious troops would invade germany their admission of the change of tactics did not reveal the slightest discouragement an indefinite but firm hope was hovering triumphantly above their vacillations the generalissimo was the only one who possessed the secret of events and desnoyers approved with the blind enthusiasm inspired by those in whom we have confidence joffre that serious and calm leader would finally bring things out all right nobody ought to doubt his ability he was the kind of man who always says the decisive word at daybreak don marcelo left the train good luck to you and he clasped the hands of the brave young fellows who were going to die perhaps in a very short time finding the road unexpectedly open the train started immediately and desnoyers found himself alone in the station in normal times a branch road would have taken him on to villeblanche 
but the service was now suspended for lack of a train crew the employees had been transferred to the lines crowded with the war transportation in vain he sought with most generous offers a horse a simple cart drawn by any kind of old beast in order to continue his trip the mobilization had appropriated the best and all other means of transportation had disappeared with the flight of the terrified he would have to walk the eight miles the old man did not hesitate forward march and he began his course along the dusty straight white highway running between an endless succession of plains some groups of trees some green hedges and the roofs of various farms broke the monotony of the countryside the fields were covered with stubble from the recent harvest the haycocks dotted the ground with their yellowish cones now beginning to darken and take on a tone of oxidized gold in the valleys the birds were flitting about shaking off the dew of dawn the first rays of sun announced a very hot day around the haystacks desnoyers saw knots of people who were getting up shaking out their clothes and awaking those who were still sleeping they were fugitives camping near the station in the hope that some train would carry them further on they knew not where some had come from far-away districts they had heard the cannon had seen war approaching and for several days had been going forward directed by chance others infected with the contagion of panic had fled fearing to know the same horrors among them he saw mothers with their little ones in their arms and old men who could only walk with a cane in one hand and the other arm in that of some member of the family and a few old women withered and motionless as mummies who were sleeping as they were trundled along in wheelbarrows when the sun awoke this miserable band they gathered themselves together with heavy step still stiffened by the night many were going toward the station in the hope of a train which never came thinking that perhaps they might have better luck during the day that was just dawning some were continuing their way down the track hoping that fate might be more propitious in some other place don marcelo walked all the morning long the white rectilinear ribbon of roadway was spotted with the approaching groups that on the horizon line looked like a file of ants he did not see a single person going in his direction all were fleeing toward the south and on meeting this city gentleman well shod with walking-stick and straw hat going on alone toward the country which they were abandoning in terror they showed the greatest astonishment they concluded that he must be some functionary some celebrity from the government at midday he was able to get a bit of bread a little cheese and a bottle of white wine from a tavern near the road the proprietor was at the front his wife sick and moaning in her bed the mother a rather deaf old woman surrounded by her grandchildren was watching from the doorway the procession of fugitives which had been filing by for the last three days monsieur why did they flee she said to desnoyers war only concerns the soldiers we country folk have done no wrong to anybody and we ought not to be afraid 
four hours later on descending one of the hills that bounded the valley of the marne he saw afar the roofs of villeblanche clustered around the church and further on beyond a little grove the slaty points of the round towers of his castle the streets of the village were deserted only on the outer edges of the square did he see some old women sitting as in the placid evenings of bygone summers half of the neighborhood had fled the others were staying by their firesides through sedentary routine or deceiving themselves with a blind optimism if the prussians should approach what could they do to them they would obey their orders without attempting any resistance and it is impossible to punish people who obey anything would be preferable to losing the homes built by their forefathers which they had never left End of section thirty five